This is Mitch Peterson, and you are listening to General Conference Applied. Thank you for joining me for Season 1, Episode 9. In this episode, we will be discussing Elder D. Todd Christofferson's April 2023 General Conference Address, which was entitled, One in Christ. I'll admit I've been looking forward to sharing my thoughts on this message for a number of weeks now. This is a powerful message, one in Christ, uh, discussing Zion, and I felt like there was so much good shared in this in this talk, and hopefully I can share something with you in this episode that, that will benefit you. I want to report on my action item from last week, and as a reminder, that was the action item that I shared in Season 1, Episode 8, where we had discussed Elder Quentin L. Cook's April 2023 General Conference Address, which was entitled Safely Gathered Home. My action item was I was going to discuss as a family how we are currently helping to gather Israel and where we might make improvements. And this will be a quick report because I did not complete this action item this past week. So it will also make my next week action item pretty easy because I'm going to do that this coming week. And, and I will report back on that in the next episode. In other exciting news, I am recording this on Saturday, September 23rd, 2023. And that is seven days from the October 2023 General Conference. So this, this episode, Season 1, Episode 9, will be released on Sunday, September 24th. And Season 1, Episode 10, which will be Elder Neil L. Anderson's April 2023 General Conference Address, will be released the day of, of Sunday General Conference, so Sunday, October 1st. And, and then my intent is to just dive right into season two, discussing President Russell M. Nelson's talk, whatever that talk ends up being in this upcoming conference, the very next Sunday. And that's kind of how the, the podcast will continue to progress. Season to season, we'll just follow the, the general conference addresses. Obviously, I got a late start during this first season, but obviously going forward, starting that quickly, just that very next weekend after the general conference, we will be able to get through for sure the First Presidency, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, for sure any of the sisters who are speaking in general conference, and then other addresses that, that stand out to me. So I appreciate you joining me in this journey. Continue to reach out to me, text message, on social media. I've received a lot of good good feedback. The podcast is spreading. And honestly, I wanted to share too, I don't see this podcast as necessarily something that you, you necessarily have to listen to in sequence. For example, if you are asked to deliver a lesson in Elders Quorum or Relief Society or speak on one of these general conference addresses and sacrament meeting, it would make sense to me to then go to that specific episode. So for example, if you're asked to speak on Elder Christofferson's talk in sacrament meeting, then you would come to this episode, this season one, episode nine, 
get some thoughts, perhaps spark some inspiration, and then kind of take a talk or a lesson from there. So I do envision these episodes, obviously continue to listen week to week. I, I appreciate that support, but also consider ways that you could implement these lesson or these podcast episodes in the future in, in different ways. Obviously these are available and won't be deleted, so they'll, they'll be available for you going forward as a resource in addition to other resources that you can utilize when preparing for those talks or lessons. All right, so let's, let's dive right in. As I mentioned, there's a lot in this talk that I want to unpack. In each episode of General Conference Applied, we are attempting to answer two questions. The first is, what is the speaker inviting me to do? And second, how might I consider taking action? So first, what is the speaker inviting me to do? So this wasn't as clear as other talks, but as we've experienced, not all of these general conference speakers are necessarily going to come out and say, I invite you to study chapters in third Nephi, like President Nelson did in one of his talks, or I invite you to, you know, fill in the blank. But I did find some directives in this talk where that I'd like to share now. So first, Elder Christofferson quoted Doctrine and Covenants, section 82, verse 19. That verse states, in sum, it is every man seeking the interest of his neighbor and doing all things with an eye single to the glory of God. Okay, so that's the first directive that I pulled out. Second, Elder Christofferson reiterated uh, an invitation that President Russell M. Nelson had delivered, and this was in his April 2022 General Conference Address, The Power, for, the Power of Spiritual Momentum. And this is what Elder Christofferson had to say. He said, a year ago, President Russell M. Nelson pled with us in these words, quote, none of us can control nations or the actions of others or even members of our own families, but we can control ourselves. My call today, dear brothers and sisters, is to end conflicts that are raging in your heart, your home, and your life. Bury any and all incl inclinations to hurt others, whether those inclinations be a temper, a sharp tongue, or a resentment for someone who has hurt you. The Savior commanded us to turn the other cheek, to love our enemies, and to pray for those who despitefully use us. That's the end of, of that quote. So that's obviously another directive that Elder Christofferson is reiterating, is sharing the words of our, of our prophet, an invitation that he had shared with us at this point a year and a half ago. And then the third directive was kind of Elder Christofferson's summary. And this is the bulk of where we're going to spend our time in this episode. Elder Christofferson stated, I say again that it is only in and through our individual loyalty to and love of Jesus Christ that we can hope to be one, one within, one at home, one in the church, eventually one in Zion, and above all, 
one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's the end of the quote. So, so five areas within, one within, one at home, one in the church, eventually one in Zion, but above all, one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And we'll dive into each of those five areas a, a bit later on. First, I wanted to share a powerful quote that Elder Christofferson had, had quoted in this general conference address. And this, he was quoting President Marion G. Romney, who was a former counselor in the first presidency. President Romney had stated, if a single person yielding to Satan is filled with the works of the flesh, he wars within himself. If two yield, they each war within themselves and fight with each other. If many people yield, a society reaps the harvest of great stress and contention. If the rulers of a country yield, there is worldwide contention. He continues, this is still Marion G. Romney, as the works of the flesh have universal application, so likewise does the gospel of peace. If one man lives it, he has peace within himself. If two men live it, they each have peace within themselves and with each other. If the citizens live it, the nation has domestic peace. When there are enough nations enjoying the fruit of the Spirit to control world affairs, then, and only then, will the war drums throb no longer and the battle flags be furled. That's the end of the quote. And so what, what I'm going to get to is that this idea of being one within, one at home, one in the church, one in Zion, and ultimately one with our Heavenly Father, our Savior, and the Holy Ghost, are all interrelated. And you can see that in President Romney's quote, right? That for world peace to happen, there has to be individual peace. And so it starts with me, and it starts with you, and everyone around us. Each of us needs to find a way to be one within. And then obviously, as we're able to be one within and interact with others who are one within, then that's when we can begin to, to grow this idea of one at home, one in the church, one in Zion. Okay. So keep, keep that in mind that this concept starts at a, at a micro level and goes to a macro level. Start small, goes big, but it's important for us to recognize that each of us plays a part. To build Zion, it starts with me and it starts with you. In this talk as well, Elder Christofferson, Christofferson shared a powerful story from a former church leader. His name was B.H. Roberts, and he was a member of the what we would call today as of the presidency of the 70. And the story that Elder Christofferson shared was from the late 1800s. And basically what had happened was B.H. Roberts was was involved in politics, and in 1895, he decided to become a candidate for the United States Congress, but he didn't let the First Presidency know. 
And basically what happened was Joseph F. Smith, who was a member of the first presidency, basically reprimanded B.H. Roberts in a priesthood meeting. And ultimately, B.H. Roberts lost that election and felt it was due in part to the remarks that Joseph F. Smith had made in that meeting. And so some conflict arises and B.H. Roberts basically is, is about to relinquish his post. His, he, he ceases his service as a member of the, the presidency of the 70. Fortunately for him, he is able to reconcile his thoughts and feelings and works with a couple of apostles at the time, one of whom was Heber J. Grant, who would later become the president of the church. But he, the, the quote that Elder Christofferson shared from B.H. Roberts was, and this is the quote, I went to the Lord and received light and instruction through his spirit to submit to the authority of God. And Elder Christofferson finishes the story saying, motivated by his love of God, B.H. Roberts remained a faithful and an able church leader to the end of his life. Now, it, the most powerful quote that I've identified in this talk is, is the two paragraphs following that story. This is basically Elder Christofferson's takeaway. He stated, we can also see in this example that unity does not mean simply agreeing that everyone should do his or her own thing or go his or her own way. We cannot be one unless we all bend our efforts to the common cause. It means, in B.H. Roberts' words, submitting to the authority of God. We are different members of the body of Christ, fulfilling different functions at different times, the ear, the eye, the head, the hand, the feet, yet all of one body. Therefore, our goal is that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Elder Christofferson continues, unity does not require sameness, but it does require harmony. We can have our hearts knit together in love, be one in faith and doctrine, and still cheer for different teams, disagree on various political issues, debate about goals and the right way to achieve them, and many other such things. But we can never disagree or contend with anger or contempt for one another. And that's the end of the quote. Something that I've been focusing on in this quote is the phrase, bend our efforts to the common cause. And that got me thinking, so what, what is our common cause? Because each one of us has different opinions. Each of us has different backgrounds and experiences. And, and so as a story like this with obviously opinionated individuals coming together is a powerful example. And so what is that common cause? So I went to the, the church handbook, the general handbook, Serving in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in section 1.2, I found this, this statement. We come into Christ and assist in God's work by, and it lists four ways. The first is living the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second is caring for those in need. Third, inviting all to receive the gospel. And fourth, 
uniting families for eternity. I would submit that that's probably our common cause. Living the gospel, so our discipleship, becoming, striving to become like Jesus Christ, caring for those in need, ministering, inviting all to receive the gospel, missionary work, and uniting families for eternity, family history work and temple work. And so as we, as we focus on that idea, I'm going to now dive into the, the section where I'm going to talk about being one within, one with our Heavenly Father, Savior, and the Holy Ghost, etc. But keep in the back of your mind the common cause, right? What our purpose is as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then you might consider ways that you could, you could become one within or one in a family or in the church that would bolster that common cause. Okay, so I wanted to focus first on being one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, because I believe that's the most important. And there, there were two talks delivered in the October 2021 General Conference. One was by Elder Christofferson. So this General Conference address that we're discussing today is not his first discussion of, of Zion, be building a Zion people. Um, so we'll discuss that talk briefly in just a moment. But I wanted to first share a quote from another October 2021 General Conference address. And this was Elder Jeffrey R. Holland's General Conference address. It was entitled, The Greatest Possession. Here's the quote from that talk. He said, friends, in our present moment, we find all manner of divisions and subdivisions, sets and subsets, digital tribes and political identities with more than enough hostility to go around. Might we ask ourselves if a higher and holier life, to use President Russell M. Nelson's phrase, is something we could seek? When doing so, we would do well to remember that stunning period in the Book of Mormon in which those people asked and answered that question so affirmatively. And here he is quoting, uh, this is 4th Nephi chapter 1, verses 13 and then 15 through 18. And it came to pass that there was no contention among all the people in all the land, because of the love of God which did dwell in the hearts of the people. And there were no envyings nor strifes, nor any manner of lasciviousness, and surely there could not be a happier people among all the people who had been, been created by the hand of God. There were no robbers nor murderers, neither were there Lamanites nor any manner of ites, but they were in one, the children of Christ, and heirs to the kingdom of God. And how blessed were they. Elder Holland continues, What is the key to this breakthrough in contented, happy living? It is embedded there in the text in one sentence. The love of God did dwell in the hearts of the people. When the love of God sets the tone for our own lives, for our relationships to each other, and ultimately our feeling for all humankind, then old distinctions, limiting labels, and artificial divisions begin to pass away, and peace increases. Of course, we are speaking here of the first great commandment given to the human family, to love God wholeheartedly, 
without reservation or compromise, that is, with all our heart, might, mind, and strength. This love of God is the first great commandment in the universe. But the first great truth in the universe is that God loves us exactly that way, wholeheartedly, without reservation or compromise, with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. And then Elder Holland concludes, it is then, and really only then, that we can effectively keep the second great commandment in ways that are not superficial or trivial. If we love God enough to try to be fully faithful to him, he will give us the ability, the capacity, the will, and the way to love our neighbor and ourselves. Perhaps then we will be able to say once again, there could not be a happier people among all the people who had been created by the hand of God, end quote. My takeaway from that is that when we are truly one with God, becoming one within, at home, in the church, and in Zion, becomes much more likely. And now let me share a quote from Elder Christofferson's October 2021 General Conference Address. That was entitled, The Love of God. He stated, In acknowledging that God loves us perfectly, we each might ask, How well do I love God? Can he rely on my love as I rely on his? Would it not be a worthy aspiration to live so that God can love us not just in spite of our failings, but also because of what we are becoming? Our Father and our Redeemer have blessed us with commandments, and in obeying their commandments, we feel their perfect love more fully and more profoundly. Elder Christofferson continues, Here is the solution for our incessantly quarrelsome times, the love of God. In the golden age of the Book of Mormon history, following the Savior's ministry, it is reported that there was no contention in the land because of the love of God which did dwell in the hearts of the people. As we strive towards Zion, remember the promise in Revelation. This is Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the holy city. That's the end of the quote. My takeaway from this quote is... We show our love for our Heavenly Father by keeping His commandments. Not just by saying, I love Heavenly Father, which is fine, but we show Heavenly Father that we love Him by keeping His commandments. Okay. So obviously that's that's the most important area. If we are able to develop love for our Heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, everything else starts to fall into place. Elder Elder Holland's quote talked about that. Elder Christofferson talked about this in a BYU speech recently, that truly keeping that first great commandment of loving God with all our heart, might, mind, and strength makes it more possible for us to adequately live the second great commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So start there. Is there something amiss in your relationship with your Heavenly Father 
and your Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost? If so, what is some action that you can take to begin to repair that relationship? Perhaps it's spending more time with them. And the easy, the easy primary answers, praying more, studying the gospel more, serving others, attending your church meetings, getting back in the temple, whatever it is, find a way to repair that relationship. A relationship that's strong with our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ makes everything better. That's what I've learned preparing for this podcast episode. It all comes together. Zion becomes possible when each one of us nurtures and cultivates a relationship, an individual relationship with our Heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Okay, next I want to focus on being one within. As many of you know, I read a lot of personal development literature. And this idea of taking responsibility for my actions is is found in a number of different books that I've read. Not placing blame on others, but taking responsibility for my life. And so first I wanted to share a couple of quotes. First is from Stephen Covey, who I've quoted in in other podcast episodes. And the second is from motivational speaker and author Zig Ziglar. So here's Stephen Covey. He stated, how different our lives are when we really know what is deeply important to us. And keeping that picture in mind, we manage ourselves each day to be and to do what really matters most. And then Zig Ziglar stated, the great majority of people are wandering generalities rather than meaningful specifics. The fact is you can't hit a target that you can't see. If you don't know where you are going, you will probably end up somewhere else. You have to have goals. That's the end of the quote. I guess what I'm getting at here And the inspiration that I was receiving as I was preparing for this podcast episode is to be one within is to know where I'm going. What is my ultimate goal? Is my ultimate goal selfless, thus becoming like Jesus Christ? Or is it selfish, focused inward and on myself? As we talked about earlier in the episode, to build Zion, it starts individually. It starts individually with one person at a time choosing to pattern their lives after our Savior Jesus Christ, the example that he left for each one of us. If if that is our ultimate goal and we can start cultivating a life pattern after his, That's the only way that Zion will become possible. And so some ideas for being one within. The the quote that I shared from Stephen Covey actually comes from a page on the Franklin Covey website 
where you can set up a personal or a family mission statement. So perhaps that's some place that you might start, is determining what do I want to accomplish in my life, putting it down on paper, and then acting accordingly. Another idea is to develop Christ-like attributes, and that's obviously something we've talked about in other episodes as well. But going, going to Preach My Gospel, Chapter 6, looking at those Christ-like attributes and that attribute activity and determining what area of your life you could focus on the most right now in putting into harmony with the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Another, I think I'll share this quote now, and and this is applicable for a number of areas. And so I read a book, or actually I guess I listened to this book. It was entitled, Think Like a Monk, Train Your Mind for Peace and Purpose Every Day. The author is Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty is a very interesting man. He, he can... He can title this book, Think Like a Monk, because he lived as a monk for a number of years in a, mos- in a monastery and has kind of some really interesting insights and is doing a lot of good in the world right now. But a, an exercise that he shared that his teacher there in the monastery had, had shared with him stood out to me as something that I might share with you this week. So let me share that quote. This once again from Think Like a Monk. This is what Jay Shetty said. I flash back to a class taught called Cancers of the Mind, Comparing, Complaining, Criticizing. In the class, we talked about negative thought habits, including gossip. One of the exercises we did was keeping a tally of every criticism we spoke or thought. For each one, we had to write down 10 good things about the person. I went through the exercise, dutifully noting every criticism I let slip. Next to each, I jotted down 10 positive qualities. The point of the exercise wasn't hard to figure out. Every person was more good than bad. But seeing it on the page made the ratio sink in. This helped me see my own weaknesses differently. I tended to focus on my mistakes without balancing them against my strengths. When I found myself being self-critical, I reminded myself that I too had positive qualities. Putting my negative qualities in context helped me recognize the same ratio in myself, that I am more good than bad. We talked about this feedback loop in class. When we criticize others, we can't help but notice the bad in ourselves. But when we look for the good in others, we start to see the best in ourselves, too. He continues, Becoming aware of negativity means learning to spot the toxic impulses around you. To help us confront our own negativity, our monk teachers told us to try not to complain, compare, or criticize for a week and keep a tally of how many times we failed. The goal was to see the daily tally decrease. The more aware we became of these tendencies, the more we might free ourselves from them. And he concludes his quote saying, Listing your negative thoughts and comments will help you contemplate their origins. Are you judging a friend's appearance 
and are you equally hard on your own? Are you muttering about work without considering your own contribution? Are you reporting on a friend's illness to call attention to your own compassion? Or are you hoping to solicit more support for that friend? That's the end of the quote. My takeaway from that quote is to accept President Russell M. Nelson's invitation that he shared in his April 2023 General Conference Address, which was entitled Peacemakers Needed. We discussed this in Season 1, Episode 1 of General Conference Applied. In that talk, President Nelson had stated, Today I am asking us to interact with others in a higher, holier way. Please listen carefully. If there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy that we can say about another person, whether to his face or behind her back, that should be our standard of communication. This this concept that Jay Shetty shared, where you basically anytime you any anytime a, a criticism pops up, you write ten positive qualities about the person, thing, whatever it is, is a powerful concept. And I see application like he talked about in that quote, that as you're focusing on the negative in others, you're focusing more on the negative in yourself. And so I see application not only within being one within, but also being one in a family, one in church, and ultimately one in Zion, right? Focus on the positive. Cease the gossip. Focus on uplifting thoughts and words. It's so easy in this day and age to sink into negativity. It's it's all around us. It's on social media. It's in the news. Negativity is just going to weigh us down. We need to find a way to replace the negativity with positivity, with optimism, with kindness, with love and respect. And as we've been talking about, it starts with us doesn't start with someone else. It starts with us, each one of us, making a choice today to be different, to overcome the pull of of the adversary. Okay, I think I want to focus in, in conclusion. I think a great way to be one at home might be to study the family, a proclamation to the world and one, one paragraph that stood out to me in the proclamation this week as I was lo- reading through it states, happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. One area that I considered that I could take action in, in this arena of being one at home is the Sabbath day. And with young kids in the home, I feel like the Sabbath day to me is not a delight. As President Nelson has invited us to make the Sabbath a delight. And so one thought that I had this week preparing for this episode was perhaps I could engage my kids in baking bread or or making cookies or some treat for others. 
finding a way to come together, but to also serve others. Some way, some way to make the, the Sabbath a delight. And that's something that I'm going to consider kind of going forward, ways that I can make the Sabbath a delight. And, and honestly, if anyone out there listening has found any good ways to, to make the Sabbath a delight, and you wouldn't mind sharing, I think there are others like me who, who are striving to find a way to make the Sabbath a delight and, and would benefit from, from you sharing your thoughts. Now we want to talk about being one in the church and being one in Zion. And, and then we'll conclude. In the general handbook, section 1.3.7, it states, as a community of saints, church members gather regu- regularly to worship God and to remember the Savior by partaking of the sacrament. Members also care for and minister to one another. I like that word community, and that's something that we discussed in last week's episode, season one, episode eight, where we talked about how Elder Cook, the message was on gathering Israel, but how each of us is part of a family, part of our Heavenly Father's family. All of us are brothers and sisters, and there's a difference when we treat one another as brothers and sisters. And so one one thought that came to me, and this is something that I experienced just this week, was I am a primary activities leader, and we had a Pinewood Derby this week and had a number of our boys and girls activities groups involved. I think we had close to 50 cars in this Pinewood Derby. And it was one of those nights where you couldn't help but smile. It, and it's I'm I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna struggle to share kind of the feelings that I had, but but when we were there, the group was engaged. There there were people cheering. You know, a car would go down the track, and if it didn't finish, all of a sudden. You know, the, per- the person whose car it was would push it across and people were standing and cheering and, and everyone was together and it was so fun. The, the kids were giving each other high fives and there was friendly banter back and forth. That, to me, is Zion. That, to me, is Zion. Those powerful relationships. The, the only other time that came to mind for me was I served in the Brazil Fortaleza mission and I served in a small city called Barbalha for the last seven transfers of my mission. And those were a powerful seven transfers. I met some amazing people, served with some amazing missionaries and the, the church was new in that city. And so, we were really just building a branch from scratch and we we were able to teach and baptize a number of youth and we began involving them in basically memorizing scripture mastery or other kind of powerful verses from the book of mormon and it just felt the same 
way that I felt during this Pinewood Derby, this community feeling where these youth were coming together, they were learning the scriptures, they were engaged in, in this cause, this common cause as we've been talking about. And, and I think there's power when church isn't just a two-hour block each Sunday. There's power when we begin to develop these relationships and we begin to become like family, where we're looking out for one another. Just like that verse that, that Elder Christofferson had quoted, every man seeking the interest of his neighbor and doing all things with an eye single to the glory of God. There's power when we can develop that community feel within our wars and branches. And so what is a way that you might develop that sort of a feel in your unit, whether that's a ward or a branch? Some ideas that have come to me is, and we talked about this actually in season one, episode eight, where we talked about this idea that elders quorum and relief society are not just a meeting, right? President Nelson said, they're not just a meeting. So what can these quorums and relief society groups become, especially for those who aren't attending relief society and elders quorum each week because of, for example, service in primary or nursery or the youth organization? How can we better engage others who aren't in the, the adult meetings each Sunday. These are definitely ways that ideas that, that we can develop for becoming one in the church. And then finally, in, in episode 3.38 of the Choosing Glory podcast, so I think this was this week's episode, Lily Anderson, she stated, and this was right around the 15-minute mark of that episode. She stated, The practice of Zion is that the rich do not covet their own possessions, but give freely to those who are struggling so that all can have an opportunity to grow. I thought that was a powerful idea, that the rich do not covet their own possessions, but give freely to those who are struggling so that all can have an opportunity to grow. And my takeaway, so first I want to quote Moses 7.18, and, and that states, And the Lord called his people Zion, because they were of one heart and one mind, and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no poor among them. It's a famous scripture mastery verse. But my takeaway is, in both Lily Anderson's quote and in this verse of scripture, I don't think we're just talking about money. And, and honestly, I know plenty of people who have more money than most, but who are desperately unhappy to me, this is what came to me. Zion is a place where powerful, life-changing ideas are shared freely. Deep, meaningful relationships are cultivated, while trivial, unimportant actions are abandoned. We, as Elder Christofferson quoted, seek the interest of our neighbor and do all things with an eye single to the glory of God. We're all in this together. I share my testimony that Zion is a reality, that there have been people on this planet 
who have successfully established a Zion, a Zion-like community. Obviously, Enoch and his city, which was taken up to heaven, but also in after the the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, that that people in the New Testament, and obviously the people in the Americas, the Nephites, for well over a hundred years, were able to successfully establish Zion. I know that Zion starts with us. Obviously, it's a joint effort, but it starts with us. And what was coming to me, what I felt, was that it really starts with our personal relationship with our Heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. So so if, if that's something where you wish, you desire, to have a better relationship with them. Start there. What's something that you can do this week to develop a better relationship with them? We've talked about in past episodes, enlist the help of an accountability partner. Find ways to take action on these invitations and these general conference addresses. Study them. What else can you find in these messages that I'm not sharing in this podcast episode. What is it that the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles want us to do? There are so many blessings promised in these messages. We can seek elsewhere, but I testify that these 15 men are prophets, seers, and revelators called by our Savior Jesus Christ to lead and guide his church at this time. I'm so looking forward to hearing from them next weekend. I would invite you to listen to them, to make time next weekend to listen to the October 2023 General Conference. I testify that our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ are real, that they love each one of us, that they're aware of us, that they desire to have a personal relationship with us. I've felt that. I've felt that. I've felt the Holy Ghost testify to me that they are real. And I share that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you once again for joining me. I look forward to speaking with you in future episodes and have a great week.